Hey everybody, it's the Never Heard of It podcast. This is Sean Harwell. We are talking movies that have slipped through our cracks and yours. And I'm joined, of course, as always, by the man of the mayor of Halloween. I feel like I should call you the mayor of Halloween. Craig Moorhead. Say hello, mayor. Hello. I'm actually the ex-mayor of Halloween. There was a there was a scandal. Oh no. Yeah. It's tough, man. I mean, uh politics these days, it's just like you gotta try and hang on to power, and it's not easy. Yeah, I figured there'd be a little more like leeway and gray area for being the mayor of Halloween, though. No. But no? I mean, it all comes down to candy corn. I don't really want to get into it, but... <laughs> okay. Say no more. Yeah, I mean, it's, no it's, it's not good. How's everything with you? It's great, man. Uh, we As the time we're recording this, it's October 1st, and couldn't be happier about that fact. It's still going to be like 90 degrees here this week, but next week, next week looks like fall, Craig. And uh, that makes me happy. I could go for some cold air mm. especially yeah. would have gone nice with the movie we're going to talk about tonight but before Indeed. that why don't you tell people where they can find us online if they would like to do so i will do exactly that uh you can find us at neverheardpodcast.com that's a place where you'll find every episode we've done you'll find write-ups on all the longer episodes with some cool posters from there you can find us on facebook on instagram on twitter and you can contact us in those places suggest movies Talk about what's your favorite episode? Who's your favorite host? You can say anything. Trying to trying to divide the, divide us and turn this no, into a competition. No, 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 no. That's that's not no. what I'm about. That's not what I'm about. What if they say Brian Crane is their favorite host? Well, I mean, you know, that'll shed a lot of light on our whole situation. <laughs> I feel like. But um, you can also you can tell your friends that they can find our podcast at, on on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Spotify. You could suggest to them to subscribe to the podcast because that uh, will help people find us and it will also help uh, the podcast find uh, your friends. That makes sense? Sure. It does. And it's a great idea because if you're like me, you know, you end up subscribing to a bunch of podcasts and some of them you finish and then you don't unsubscribe, but they're over and you just kind of forget what you're subscribed to. So you go and you look at your little feed and it's like, oh yeah, there's a new episode of this today. And that's, that's us every Wednesday. On your doorstep, if you subscribe, it's the easiest way to do it. If this is your first time listening, hello. You probably are going to want to go subscribe now before you hear the rest of the episode because you don't want it to like depend upon that, really. Right. So go do that, and we'd appreciate it. Craig. Yes. Let's talk quickly about what else you've watched. Oh, man. Yeah, let's do that. else you watched right now not in a second right but now? yeah i want to talk about it right now oh okay i didn't know if you were just you know warming up the crowd a little bit <laughs> they're warm they're definitely yeah. they got this far they're they're trust me they're, they're probably boiling. yeah yeah maybe too warm <laughs> uh good but that gave me enough time to open up my text file okay, so good. the movies i've watched since the last time we talked sean i watched the movie dead heat Mm. which uh, I had suggested for us to watch, and then uh, I kind of took that back after watching it again. This is a movie I watched uh, a number of times when I was a kid. You know, back then I was really all about <laughs> effects, you know, practical makeup effects and stuff. Cassette tape soundtracks at Swap Meets. Cassette yeah. tape. Yeah, oh yeah, man, you you know me. And that part did not let me down. I mean, it's definitely a cheesy-ish movie. 
why don't you just give the cast of this movie? Because, uh, yeah, I was excited right. when you suggested it. I was like, oh, yeah, I definitely want to see this. And then you were like, yeah, I don't know that we want to do <laughs> this one. Yeah. So. Well, that's the thing. You've got you've got Darren McGavin in a, in, in, in a role. You've got Vincent Price kind of in a, in a, in a smallish but important role. Uh, Treat Williams is at the top of this thing. Yeah. Top build. His partner, his his cop partner in the movie is Joe Piscopo. Boom. Who, I mean, how often do you get to say you're watching a movie with Joe Piscopo in it? Um, it's like this and Johnny Dangerously. It's I don't a, know. It's a limited number of times that you could do that, yeah. It really is. And and the movie itself is definitely kind of a, it's, it's an uneven mix of, you know, comedy and horror. It's got a really cool idea to it. But it kind of uh, it undercuts itself the way that comedy sometimes can. Mm-hmm. Any kind of stakes you might feel by the fact that the the main character is essentially going to decompose. Oh wow! If he doesn't get like that's the idea. Like instead of having like you have forty eight hours to solve this case, the main cop is killed, but then they bring him back to life on this machine. Now he's only got like so many hours to to solve the problem before he decomposes. That's awesome. That's like a great yeah, yeah setup for something. Exactly. And so, and it's definitely absurd. So the humor makes sense, but I don't know, every now and again, he, he's like really flipping about it. Other times he's really worried about it. And it's just, it's kind of a mess. Man. So, uh, so we skipped that one. <laughs> well, I watched, uh, I watched Top Hat, the Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers movie. No, how was that? 1935. I love that movie. I watched that back at school and it's pretty, pretty great. I mean, nice. it's, did you just feel like putting it on? Is it on uh, Amazon or something? Or where did you, well, no, you know, it was, it was on, um, Criterion. I, I was just oh, kind okay, of yeah. flipping through Criterion to see what was up, and I I saw that it was one of the ones that was about to be gone. Yeah, and actually it might be gone now. Yeah, I, I really like that movie. It's a good um, light movie to watch. There's probably some light racism toward Italians. I'm not sure how really to take it. Yeah, I watched the whole thing. Like, is this bad? Yeah. Like, is this bad, or is that guy giving like a great comedic performance? I, mm-hmm. I'm not sure. But but I mean, I, I always liked it, and and it's just it's interesting to watch a movie like that from back in a time when like dancing was kind of yeah. That's what your leading man would do. He'd he'd sing and dance. Yeah. And yeah. and just incredibly well, and it's really entertaining. You're going to see a show like that's what yeah. movies were doing. And then, and honestly, and then Ginger Rogers comes in and she's dancing with him. And it's like, you can't not watch it. Yeah. It's fantastic. Why aren't you happy right now? They're amazing. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, I feel like Top Hat is one of those titles that could work for almost any genre, horror, anything. And it would be like, oh, that's a cool title, you know? Yeah. I like it. Uh, And finally watched Between Two Ferns, the movie. I'm hearing mixed things on that. What did did you think? It's a little mixed. Yeah. Um, I'm not a... I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I've always liked the Between Two Ferns show. I mean, they're great, but they're short, and that's they're, they're part of the beauty short. of it. Yeah. Yeah. Because the things he says, like, sometimes are, are pretty mean, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's and it's like everybody's in on the joke, but it's pretty mean. And so then you stretch that out to, like, two hours of this guy who generally is kind of pissy to everybody. And I, I, I enjoy it less and less. And I really like Zach Galifianakis. I mean, like, yeah. I've heard this guy in interviews... And he just seems like the nicest guy. And that's a part of why I feel like that character on Between Two Ferns works is because I kind of know he's such a nice guy. But man, I mean, there's a lot of funny stuff. And to be honest, though, like the most consistent laughs in the movie, and I mean, very real gut level laughs uh, come at the very end during the credits. They show everyone breaking during this oh, segments and like stuff, that kind yeah. of stuff. And it's it's amazing. Yeah. Like it's, it's like okay. the, some of that stuff is so great. 
So yeah, it is kind of mixed. It, it it wasn't great all the way through. There's there's definitely some good stuff, but yeah, sometimes it's just too mean spirited, and I kind of didn't make me feel happy. Yeah, it's too bad. And I, I think that movie was shot by uh, Ben Kasulki, who was a cinematographer on the oh, Red yeah. Oaks and a couple other things that uh, you and I both know and uh, yeah. have uh, connections to. And I, I will say, yeah, Zach is actually a really nice guy. And uh, do we have time for a quick uh, Between Two Ferns story that I heard? Absolutely. Okay, so uh, do you remember the episode with uh, Sean Penn? It was one of my favorites yes. because I think actually that was sort of – the one he did as his cousin, like Steve Galifianakis or something, who was, in some ways, at least the voice inspired his character in the campaign, the movie that I worked on. And he was just this very soft-spoken, rednecky cousin of uh, of Zach's, supposedly. And uh, and Zach told me that that was one of the only times that he filmed that, that series where anyone had a problem with it. He didn't know it at the time, but I guess like within a day or maybe even less than that of when that episode with Sean Penn was supposed to drop. He got like a frantic call from his agent who was like, Sean is not going to allow this thing to be aired unless you call him. Like he's seen it. He doesn't like it. Blah, 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 blah. And uh, I'm probably getting this wrong because this is the second hand, but uh, it doesn't sure. matter. for the, I mean, Come on. It doesn't matter. <laughs> and so like yeah, Zach said that like he had to like, geez, Louise, you know, okay, let me see if I can call Sean Penn. Like what am I going to say to this guy? It's like, you don't get like that yeah, you're supposed to be the straight guy and that's how the whole concept works. And so Sean Penn, of course, was in like France or somewhere and he didn't get him, but he just left a voicemail about it and then never heard another word about it whatsoever. And it came out and like people loved that one. So wow, I don't know, movie stars, man, movie stars, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, that that is always my big question because I mean, yeah, a lot of his questions are so funny, but they're mainly funny because you know they're just hitting these people in a sore spot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, it did nothing to, to I think, soften everyone's image of, uh, oh, yeah, Sean Penn, he's like, yeah, he's, he doesn't take himself too seriously. <laughs> right. Nah, he probably does, yeah. He could have really used that. Yeah. But, but I mean, it is like, um, I guess that, that is another thing about the movie. It does kind of become a question of what exactly is the joke there's like there are a few lines in it where it kind of sounds like oh like the character Zach is playing is in on that joke mm-hmm. like he is asking these questions on purpose knowing that they're mean and I guess I never took it that way I always took him as as like a clueless interviewer yeah who's somehow been thrown in with a celebrity and is not prepared like that's how I've always taken it but there are a few lines where it's like where he's talking about yeah that's the joke or something and I was like what like he's doing it on purpose. Like it's it's very strange. So I I don't know. I don't know. I, I wasn't sure on that. I will say it's a very nice looking movie. Oh, there you go. Mr. Kasulki most likely had something to do with the fact that, and and I really liked this. The way that they set off the segments where it's the show or it's the movie. The show instead of like sort of being like super video videoy. Yeah. In that way, that I think a lot of movies would do. Like it it it's almost like it's been extra sharpened or something. Huh. It's like very, very sharp. And and I'm, I'm sure it is like a different format of some kind, but it's like, yeah, instead of looking degraded, it looks more hyper real than the gotcha. than the movie does. And I, and I just, I kind of really dug that. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Anything else? Good times. Not, not for me. What about you? I rewatched Witness for the first time in probably a decade. Yeah. It's been a while and uh, yeah, it's still, it's still good, Craig. It's still good. I like it. Uh, I also checked out the latest Olivier... A Seas movie, probably mm. mispronounced that, the French director of Personal Shopper in the Clouds of Sils Maria. He has a movie called Nonfiction from last year. 
that uh, of course has uh, Juliette Binoche in it, along with uh, several others that I didn't really recognize, but I think people in France certainly would. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's incredibly different from those other two titles I mentioned. This is just a, an extremely sort of small production, low budget, I think, very talkative, almost Linklater-like movie, kind of centering around the publishing world in a way. But it it's, it's like crazy topical, and it talks a lot about just sort of, you know, how technology is, is changing our reading habits and the way we read and the way we watch shows and, and movies and things like that. And, of course, uh, has an interesting POV on all that. So if that sounds like a good time to you, which is probably a very small percentage of the audience, and I'm sure he knew that, uh, nonfiction, check it out. Right on. Also, I just knocked out the first season of Fleabag, finally. I had tried to watch that before, and uh, just, I don't know, I got like two episodes, and I was like, yeah, I don't know if this is for me. And uh, I powered through it, and I really, really liked the way that first season ended, and I've already maybe watched two episodes of season two, and it's really, really strong. And So, uh, yeah, if you've been on the fence of that Emmy award-winning show, I I recommend it, especially to the ladies out there. I think she's got a a very unique perspective on, on modern life as a woman and uh, very very funny so fleet bag i've been wondering about that i've seen a lot of ads for it yeah heard a lot of people talking about it yeah interesting amazon showing it down people's throat but i don't know there's something to that british model too it's just like they do six episodes half hour it's comedy like every episode you know was is probably gonna have something memorable in it either advancing the plot or some really good jokes in it and uh yeah i think that's no exception i don't know it just makes me uh Makes me think that more and more, that's that's the way to go. Short seasons, uh, you get your money's worth that way. Indeed. Uh, well, let's talk about a movie you didn't watch. Let's talk about The Lodgers from 2017 that we teed up last week. This is from director Brian O'Malley and writer David Turpin. Stars Charlotte Vega, Bill Milner, Eugene Simon, and David Bradley who you'll know as Argus Filch from Harry Potter. Who was he in Game of Thrones? Jeez, I don't think we said. He was... Uh, yeah. He was Reek's father, wasn't he? No. Wait. No, he was uh, He was the, the architect of the Red Wedding, wasn't he? Oh, God. I don't know. I mean, there's only 8,000 characters for us to keep straight right. from that show. I cannot remember. We'll go back through and watch every episode. <laughs> yeah, let's do we'll that. Yeah. Let's get started. Back. We should yeah. do a podcast about that. It'll be popular. Yeah. That'd be, we'd be the only one. The only one doing it, yeah, three years mm-hmm. after it's over. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a, a horror movie, which we'll, we'll talk about the level of horror that it's at. And since there's no synopsis officially from IMDb that's in any way short, I will try to do the honors myself, Greg. Okay. So The Lodgers is a story of a brother and sister born on the same day, but not quite at the exact same time who have basically been trapped in an old Irish dilapidated manor. It takes place in, uh, I think, the 1920s, if not 1920 on the nose. They are worried that uh, now that they have turned 18, the voices and the people that are alluded to who do not live in the realm of uh, Earth that you and I are accustomed to, Craig, are about to come make their claim upon them in some fashion. That will not be good. Mm-mm. We came to this place and shut ourselves away. So nobody would know what we are. Every sound the house makes, I hear them. They won't wait much longer. Do you believe that two people can do something so, so unnatural that it leaves a stain on them? And that the stain goes on to their children? And to their children's children? 
say it and make us safe again. It's, I don't know, surprisingly small and yet has some scope to it, but I picked this because I knew nothing about it and I wanted to do a, a, a relatively recent horror movie and we talked a little last week about how I think you and I are both fans of sort of like a period horror piece, especially one that's kind of set in, you know, a haunted house, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, you watched it. You definitely are a bigger fan and more knowledgeable of the genre than I am. So I'm dying to know what you thought of The Lodgers. What, did you like this movie, Craig? Overall, it, it didn't really, it wasn't very satisfying for me. Okay. Can I break that down a little bit? You may. Was it story? Was it horror moments or like a fear level? Or was it something else? It was, I mean, it was certainly, there wasn't a a high fear level for me, Mm -hmm. but but mainly it was story. I I really like the cast. I think it's a beautiful looking movie. Yeah. And... Man, it you know when it starts off, it feels like I don't know. It, 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 as it went along, uh, I just felt like so much information was being kept from me, and by the time that information comes around, it didn't really gut punch me. A part of me just kind of wished I had already known what the overall deal was, and maybe just our our, our main character Rachel didn't know. Like maybe she finds out or something. Yeah. But it's like, I guess that's the thing is like, I feel like when the movie starts off, it feels like both of those characters know everything, mm-hmm. at least to me. But by the time we get to the end, we find out Rachel actually didn't know the whole deal, I think. Yeah. We'll talk about the end. Yeah. That's a good right. question. And, and so it so that just seemed weird. Mm-hmm. It just seemed uh, weird to, to do it that way. And, and that kind of, that kind of lets some of the air out of the, out of the balloon, the horror balloon. Yeah. For me, but... um, Hot air horror balloon. The hot air horror balloon. <laughs> that being said, though, I mean, I didn't have any problem watching the whole thing. Sure. I mean, it was... It looked nice. It wasn't a, a terribly long movie. It didn't seem like it overstayed its welcome to me. But, but what did you think? I think it's just okay. I mean, I think that's, you know, in the simplest way of putting it, I think it's just an, an okay movie. It's not bad, I don't think, by any stretch of the imagination. And like I say, ultimately, I think that comes down to... It doesn't quite satisfy the way I guess we hoped it would, and mm-hmm. I think there's a couple different reasons because of that. I like what you were saying, and I hadn't really thought about it in those terms of what Rachel knows and what then she discovers by the end of it. Because I'm kind of with you. I like how this movie begins, and specifically, I don't know. I was thinking today just about it's like okay, well, like what are my tastes in horror as an audience member? Because I don't watch a ton of it but i'd certainly have things that i like and i do think one of the things i really like is like when there are rules and like those you know there's things to mm-hmm. follow in this movie like yeah within the first 10 minutes oh not only are there rules but they're like explicitly stated you know yeah very clear yeah, yeah. very clear they call them cautions is like uh, this brother and sister are living in this house and there are three things that they're supposed to do they're supposed to be in bed, in their rooms, doors locked by the first chime of midnight. Uh, they are not supposed to let a stranger through the door, and they are not supposed to leave each other alone. I'm like, great. I can keep up with this. My feeble mind will have no trouble like following what is going on. It's like gremlins, you know? It's like pretty simple, right? Just don't do yeah. these things. And, and, of course, these things are going to happen. They're going to break these rules. And, in fact, that's how the movie begins. Uh, you know, she's barely squeaking in the door at that first chime of midnight. 
But then yeah, I got questions about those rules and sort of how they pertain to the resolution of this movie. And so, yeah, I, I think for me, that's where the dissatisfaction probably lies, is that there's some, some story choices made where I felt like they broke those rules a little bit or they were just a little muddied. And maybe that's yeah. kind of what you're saying as far as what Rachel knows, what she doesn't know. Would have loved a little more fright, I guess, or just like escalating sure. fright. You know, I kept waiting for this movie to go into the next gear, and it yeah. really doesn't. And sometimes that's cool. You know, you just have this like dreadful pall over an entire movie. But here it felt like it it was hoping to do that. Mm-hmm. And the, the things that do happen, I don't know, they just didn't have that effect on me as a viewer, I guess. Yeah. Totally. Maybe that has to do with what the sort of supernatural, the ghost element of this movie is. So maybe we should talk about that first. Yeah. Okay. So, again, we're going to spoil the hell out of all of this. Yeah. What really has happened here is that these two kids, and they're kids, they just turned 18, so technically they're adults. Their parents have died, and we learned that very early on. They have died in a lake. And we find out that there are generations of these people that have the exact same thing. Suicide in a lake. At least that's what Rachel thinks, right? The way this kind of manifests is, I guess, the ancestors are undead or live as ghosts. After midnight in this lush manor, Loftus Hall, which you can hear in great detail about in the tee-up, there's a little square door in the floor right by the grand staircase. And after midnight, water starts flowing up through this door, and I think we are supposed to believe that while these two kids are locked tight in their room, the ancestors come out and are able to live within this hall and, I guess, do what they do. They're always naked cadaver-looking whenever we Mm -hmm. see them, usually from a distance, out of focus, usually only as a couple, although there are definitely instances where there's more than two, Um, but they look very, very similar, and that's on purpose. Well, here's a question for you that I didn't necessarily think about until you just said they do what they do, but... And to be clear, I I don't know if that's right. (laughs) Um, That's just my best educated guess. Well, that's kind of it. It's like, clearly, that's the signal that shit's about to go down. Yeah. When the water starts coming out a little trap door and everyone runs to their rooms. But but why? I mean, why? Why why do they come out? What do they do? You have no idea. And, it, and it's not really that creepy because it seems like, well, maybe they just walk around. Like, I, I don't know. They don't seem to leave the house and, like, kill anybody or anything. Like, no one's nope. disappearing from the village. Yeah. So it's just like, okay, they came out and they walk around. Like, I, I get it. It's kind of good. Like, you want to get in your room because if you're not in your room, then... You'll have to look at them and interact with them or something, and it'll be really bad. But at the same time, it doesn't really deepen the mystery. No, and they don't completely leave our two main characters, Edward and Rachel, alone. So, you know, they'll be in their rooms, and they'll these ghosts start talking to them, and it's very, you know, disturbing. And, uh, you know, occasionally they'll appear in, in the, the mirror or, in, you know, hanging out on the side of the, the hall. One of the effects I really did like, though, was that usually when these moments happen, it's accompanied by water and moisture and condensation. In this house, that has the effect where the water drips upward to the ceiling. And, I mean, they 
they go back to this well a bunch of times, maybe yeah, maybe too many times. But it looks kind of cool every time. I mean, I didn't really get tired of it, right. I will say. Um, and there's some really good choice moments where you see that sort of single drop just go from floor to ceiling. And yes. it looks very believable. Again, I don't remember what the budget was for this. It wasn't a ton. But, um, yeah, some cool effects for that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, it looks cool. But yeah, by by the end, I was hoping to I, I was hoping for that the fact that water drips up would mean something. Yeah, and, and it's and it's sort of more like well, it's just a weird, eerie thing to see, and that's fine too. Yeah, I mean, there's kind of like the upside down thing happening. Sure. When you go into that square in the floor, which we'll get to, but um, as much as I liked that, I didn't necessarily love the look of these haunters here. Yeah. The Lodgers. Literally The Lodgers, yeah. I don't know. I was going to ask about, like, why is this movie called The Lodgers? Because they're <laughs> not Lodgers. I mean, they lived, no. they lived there at one point. I don't know. It's a weird... When you break it down, literally, I wasn't quite sold on that as a title. Right. I don't know. You tell me. You've seen a lot more horror movies than me. I, I just felt like there's, there's really nothing unique about the look of these uh, deceased as presented in this film. No, there's not. I kind of feel like there's, there's that touch of... Like, I, I kind of feel like we're still seeing that touch of, of you know, the ring. Yeah, that crossed my mind, like yeah. The ring really kind of changed ghosts here in America for <laughs> for a long time. It's everyone's wet and has long hair. And, and, and it's not, yeah, it's not, it's not super unusual. I don't know. It, it's, it's, it's certainly an eerie sight, a nightmarish visual to see them. But it's not something that feels like it's because of things that are happening in the story, if that makes sense. It's not not an outgrowth of what's going on in the story. It's just like, yeah, they're dead. And it's, right. that's what they look like. But I also found myself wondering, is like, why isn't there any variation on the look? Like if this is supposed to be mm-hmm. generation after generation of, you know, their parents, their grandparents, their great grandparents, these couples who died, like, were they all naked when they died? And I mean, they did the exact same way. Like, okay, maybe that's kind of weird, but yeah. As a visual, like it's you know, it's not that compelling just to see identical sets. I guess. It, well, it wasn't to me. They also never actually interact really with anybody in the living world. Like, there's no sort of physical. The only time they grab somebody is well, and you don't. I don't even know if you see their hands or is when David Bradley gets sucked into that little square, right? Right. So, you know, it's just one of those things like it would drive you crazy if you're in the if you're living this and like you're hearing these things or seeing these people. Don't get me wrong. But for a movie's sake, like, yeah, they don't interact. So even like at the height of that second act, when the character Sean is looks like he's in serious trouble, I I kept waiting for them to just descend upon him or, or something or like grab him and he had to get away. But they didn't. And I don't know even if they could have, you know. Right. Can they touch the living or does their hands go straight through them? Or like what kind of state are these ghosts or deceased in? Yeah. It's tough. I mean, I get it. Like it's tough to come up with an original, fresh kind of spin on that, I think. It would be for me anyway. Well, yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about uh, just like the, the basic storyline a little bit more and then we'll we'll piece this all together as to how it's working. So... Yes, Rachel and Edward are brother and sister. Basically, we find out the the main rift between them is that Edward is furious that she shows up late in the opening scene. He thinks that this is a point of no return. They've broken a rule, and now it's only a matter of time before they are taken. 
which I like. I mean, I like the expediency of that, like just right from the word go. But Rachel clearly wants to leave this house and says so very explicitly. Edward thinks it's fruitless. In fact, he hasn't left, I think, since their parents died, I believe. There's some suggestion that they perhaps on their birthday take a walk around the house. But I'm not even positive if that happened every year or it was just the plan for their 18th birthday. Right. Until she ruined it by showing up late. Um, <laughs> it's all her fault. No. But she wants to get out of there. She thinks, you know, if you're going to die there or die or face the consequences of leaving and that equals death, then what's the point of staying? Which I think she got, she got a valid point, you know? It's not sure. a life that they're living there at all. No. Um, they're very isolated from even this small town as it's presented. I mean, yeah, it, it, is a, it is a very thin line between drowning in water filled with dead people and living in that house yeah. with her brother. I mean, it is not a pretty scene at that house by any means. <laughs> like, it looks disgusting and falling yeah. apart. She takes a bath in that house. And oh, I just, man, I was like, that doesn't even work out okay. I know, yeah. that was giving me like just germaphobe fears there. Oh. But anyway, our sort of B story to all of this is the character played by, I believe, uh, Eugene Simon, whose name is Sean Nally. Mm-hmm. He returns to this town after fighting for the English in a war, assuming WW1. Mm-hmm. Uh, I may have my dates wrong. Don't History buffs don't kill me. They will. It doesn't really matter. It's sort of just backstory for this guy. He shows up. He's limping. We find out he's got a prosthetic leg. He has a brief interaction with Rachel when she comes to Sean's mother's shop. She sort of has a general store in town. She does laundry, etc. You can buy goods there on credit. And also, she, I think, is the post office. And she delivers Rachel a letter that is basically informing them Rachel and Edward, that their estate, their trust fund is bankrupt. There is no more money. And David Bradley, who is a banker of sorts, I'm guessing, for this fund, is coming to the house to examine if it can be sold. Of course, that presents all kinds of problems for Rachel and Edward because, A, they're not supposed to let a stranger in the house. That's one of the three rules. I like it. And uh, B, yeah, what are they going to do if they have no means to live by? And it's a very meager living that they have in the first place. But, yeah, they still got to eat, right? Mm -hmm. They ain't growing corn in the backyard, you know? Well, you know what? Another good question. For a while during this movie, I was thinking that they were both already ghosts. Really? Because I feel like they go and they sit in that dining room a couple times. Nobody ever eats anything. No, there were bowls of like porridge or oatmeal that looked disgusting, but they remained well, untouched. Like, yes. Yeah, I mean, it, it looked like stuff that had been left there for a really long time. Okay, well, let me ask, when did you start to think that maybe they weren't ghosts? <laughs> and are uh, you still convinced that they're not? I'm not 100% convinced. I'm, I'm definitely not convinced that he's not a ghost. <laughs> okay. Uh, or at least one of these ghouls that lives in the water or something. Yeah. But I mean, just the fact that that Sean was interacting with her and like she went to the shop and all that stuff. I was like, well, she's not a ghost. Yeah. I was tr- trying to figure for a long time. I, I was sure that, that, uh, Edward, I was sure Edward was a ghost mm. and she was talking to him, but like somebody else would come over and it'd be clear that he wasn't there, but then somebody else came over and he was there. Oh, that's interesting. So, uh, I, I really wasn't sure about that, but yeah, I was looking at all these clues. My mind was trying to come up with more story. <laughs> than was there. Okay. Fair than enough. Than was actually there. I did a little of that. I did a little of Maybe that. Maybe I wasn't appreciating it on its own merits there. Well, uh, we'll get into that in just a second too, because uh, I'll tell you what I was thinking. 
At one point, Sean, and I think it's after this, Sean follows Rachel home and is keeping his distance, but there's quite a long drive from gate to manor that Rachel has to walk, and it's all very wooded, very pretty looking, actually. She realizes that Sean has followed her, and he is trying to invite himself to her house because he has interest in her. Mm -hmm. There's a very terse exchange, but it ends with, meet me here tomorrow morning, and that's Rachel saying that. And so you know that the the interest is is mutual a little bit. She goes home, and she's putting on the nightgown, and I think maybe there's some uh, about-to-touch-yourself kind of things happening. And I think this is around then when she decides to take a bath, and she tells Edward that's what what she's going to do. And he says, basically, is he going to be able to join her in the bath? It's very clearly stated that this is something that has happened before, but she's not interested in this now. I guess my mind was already going in that place in that I thought, and because this is just the genre perhaps, that we were going to find out that Edward and Rachel's dead parents were brother and sister themselves. Right. And that Edward and Rachel were a product of incest, and so... That's kind of why it's just one of those like weird stories where the family bloodline must remain pure, you know, kind right. of crazy things that we're going to find out. And I'm still not convinced. <laughs> I just don't know 100 percent if that was the case either, because it it seems pretty clear that Edward is in love with Rachel mm-hmm. may have been physical with her, but she is definitely a virgin. That is a very big story point later in the film. Yes. After we do see her, she does go to meet Sean the next day, and they do some heavy making out, but it doesn't in the way I think Sean was hoping. <laughs> and she's doing it right by this lake, and I think that is when the story comes out where she tells him about what happened to her parents and her grandparents and et cetera. All this is kind of happening, and David Bradley does indeed show up to gauge the value of the house. Uh, he wants him to sell. Rachel does a very good job of not letting him in. She gives him a pearl necklace to take and sell or to help pay down the debt in the meantime. I think the second half of this movie is a little bit what you're saying. It's at what point am I going to get the information that I really need to not only piece this together, but to kind of pay off our patience and mm-hmm. raise that excitement level. Right. For me, I don't know that it happens until... David Bradley shows up again. This time, Rachel is down at the lake with Sean. Edward grabs a knife and decides to let him in and -hmm. ends up killing him. Right. I liked all that stuff. I got to say, like, those scenes I thought were cool. Like, David Bradley, he just seems like, yeah, he's such a great presence. Like, anytime he was in this movie, I'm like, I'm happy. Yeah, absolutely. And and I feel like, for me, that was one of the bigger payoffs of the whole rhyme of theirs. Yep. Like, you know, as soon as he actually lets that guy in the house, that guy is not leaving the house. Mm-hmm. It's a good bit of tension. Not even sure if that next scene really feels that tense because a part of me just wants Edward to just get on with it. Yeah. A little bit because it's like, I mean, there's not anything else going on, but, uh, but uh, get on with it. He, he does. <laughs> he does. Yes. He stabs him several times in the stomach with what I believe was a paper letter opener. Yeah, it's a very thin knife, uh, and and yeah. that will play a, a factor later in a scene with Sean. But yeah, you know, sharp enough to do the job. Mm-hmm. As we mentioned before, David Bradley is sucked into the open square door in the floor. We will see him again, which I have a question yes. about, but that it all ties yeah. into the ending. 
I'm still a little confused. Well, I don't know. You tell me about why is Rachel hesitant to like get involved with Sean? I mean, there was like a real sharp turn when she was making out with him by the lake where, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, she ends up even saying like, you're of no use to anyone. You're of no use to me. And at first I read that as, was she in her way asking him to somehow step up and like kill her brother or remove her from the situation? Although I think he said that he would do as much like they could leave. Yeah. Or was she saying that to protect him from getting involved with her and the insanity of her situation? You think it's that? I took it as her trying to protect him from her world. You know, like she's 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 going to give in and then she's not. I mean, a a little bit of it felt like she was worried about what the the ghosts would do if she had sex with him. Okay, because clearly that was that was a no, no, I guess. I mean, well, because I don't think there was anything in the nursery. rhyme. I mean, there's a bit about as long as the blood is pure. Long as our blood, long as your blood be ours alone, you'll see us come from down below. Right. But that, I, I don't know that that reads into like she has to remain a virgin. Well, maybe it does. And then the bloodline. Yeah, I think you're right about the blood. Exactly. The, okay. the bloodline being pure. But again, I wish I had known and totally understood that more. Yeah. At that point, and like known what kind of stakes were there, because even. Even he lets a stranger in the house breaking the rules of the rhyme. Yeah. But nothing really happens because of it. No, nothing happens to Edward, Is it because he killed somebody? Yeah. I I don't know. Yeah, it was just that, like, yeah, the rules got a little confusing there. I'm with you. And, you know, unfortunately for poor Sean, like, yeah, he gets rejected by this woman. And I will say, like, Charlotte Vega sold that moment. Like, that's part of the reason why I'm so confused is because, like, she was just, like, when she said you're of no use to me and no use to anyone, I was like, well, damn, that, that cut a little, little close to the quick there after she's made this guy take his prosthetic leg off and massaged the, yeah. the phantom limb, which it was a nice, uncomfortable scene, I thought. <laughs> it was. And what was, what was the payoff of that? I don't. I don't know, Craig. Because, <laughs> because, well, I mean, there was something where she was saying, like, yeah, do you do you know, like, like you know what it feels like to feel something that's not there? Got, or yeah, something. it was actually, yeah, they did tie it back to sort of what her situation is at home, I think. Yeah, well, exactly. I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like it seemed like it was going somewhere interesting. I was like, oh, this is going to really illuminate what's going on, and I, I don't know that it actually did. Yeah. Anyway, like when Sean leaves, you know, as if that wasn't bad enough, he gets beaten up by the uh, local townies mm-hmm. who are like, oh, man, like ever since I've seen Straw Dogs, I'm just like, I don't want to go anywhere in the UK and just see like a group of guys hang- <laughs> hanging on a corner with like yeah. those little newsy hats on. Like I'm going to like as far bad away news. as I can get. <laughs> and like, th- sure enough, like this group, there's just nothing good about them. Uh, I think Mo Dunford was the actor who was the bearded fellow, Desi, if I have my names right, who was sort of the yeah. leader of the group. He was fine. It was just, yeah, it's a very mm-hmm. small part of the plot, I guess. Right. But so Rachel goes home. She tells Edward, tomorrow I leave with or without you. I won't stay and become what they did. Which I'm like, great. Okay. This is like clearly going to get us to our next uh, level. And then I think that evening, maybe it's not even that long, the ghosts come up out of the floor and they descend upon Rachel in her room. We see Filch again. And mm-hmm. uh, there's a theme of this movie where, is that an eel, I guess? Uh, yeah, I think it was an eel. And it comes out of Filch's mouth, which is gross. Uh, I liked that. Within this sequence, 
I think it moves into a bit of a dream that she has, uh, or maybe it's Sean, where Sean walks up the stairs of the manor, like butt-ass naked, the prosthetic mm-hmm. is off, it's as if they're underwater. Like I just, there was something about the way that was shot that I just did not feel good about, Craig. I don't know. <laughs> you know, and I wasn't just like, you know, seeing the naked male body by any means. It was just like, it was so awkward to see a person, yes, naked, but walking up a set of stairs with just one and a half leg, which, you know, I mean, no yeah. disrespect to anyone, with no crutches or anything like that. Part of it is like you're looking to see how the effect works, um, sure. filmmaking, but I don't know. It was uncomfortable for me. <laughs> it's interesting. Rachel's floating. She's naked. They kiss. She pulls away, and it's Edward, and like black stuff, black goo, the goo pours out of his mouth or his face, so she screams and mm-hmm. wakes up, and there's water dripping all over her room, which again is like our visual clue that uh, this is the time of night that the, the others come out. Rachel then goes to see Sean the next day. His mom is like, yeah, no, you've done enough. My son got beaten up on the way home from you. I know who you guys are. And she did sort of imply that she was there at the manor and saw Rachel and Edward's parents involved in something bad, right? Right. I wasn't clear if like she saw them die or just saw that that they were doing something wrong, which again made me think of of incest, perhaps. Right. I don't know. But Sean's mom tells Sean, like, whatever awful things that girl told you, it's all true. Right. He's like, oh, damn, okay. It's not long after this, then, Rachel discovers the truth of the situation. I don't remember exactly how this happens, but it again involves the lake. Right. Their parents were twins, right? Mm-hmm. Just like their parents, just like the other parents, she sees what is essentially a flashback, I guess, even though it's not her flashback. So I don't know. You tell me how that works. Don't know. She sees her young brother, yes. and it looks like he's about 10 or 12, watching their parents in that lake naked. And in fact, the father is actually drowning the mother. Right. But then they both go underwater. Yep. I guess he just kills himself underwater. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that, that would be the the idea. Back at the house, Edward at one point I believe mutters a line about breeding our immortality into the pit of your body to Rachel. It's just right. never a nice thing to say to a lady, you know. It's not really as romantic as it seems in your head. It really, <laughs> it really isn't. You know? um, yeah, I, I don't even remember. Like she was. Was she unconscious? There was something where, yeah, she was out cold. Oh, because he slammed. Well, yeah, he knocked yeah. her out. That was actually, oof, man, that was a nice bit of action there. Yeah. Knocks her face against the wall, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was That was another um, showdown in the in the unused dining room. And, uh, yeah, and they, uh, yeah, he's, he slams her head against the wall, and then she's out, and he's like, uh, yeah, this is a good time to... Get with my sister. Yeah. Uh, but prior to that, she did say that she made herself a whore to Sean to be free of Edward. Right. And, of course, we know that that's not the case. No. But Edward, I don't remember exactly how he figures this out, but he's got her in bed and looks like things are about to happen, and he realizes that she's still pure. Yeah, not sure. There's a knock at the door. Of course, it's Sean. <laughs> Poor yeah. Sean. He shows up. Edward opens the door. 
Sean comes in. Edward attacks. Sean fights back. We get to see the painting that has been in the entryway this whole time that we thought was, uh, you know, the parents, but we never had a clear look at it. But when we see it clearly, the parents look exactly like Edward and Rachel, which, again, is something I kind of saw coming. They fight their way up the stairs. At one point, Edward tackles Sean and somehow stabs himself in the stomach. That was a little sloppy to me, I thought. Yeah. Yeah, I, I wasn't even quite sure what I had seen. In my mind, I made it that, that Sean stabbed him. But, I don't think so, yeah. Greg. I think it happened no. accidentally. He then pulls a knife out and stabs Sean in the hand, pinning his hand yeah. to the floor, which anytime you do that in a movie, I'm down for that. Like, that's always like a sure. good way. Yeah, like just stab somebody and, and uh, pin them. Yep. Edward comes into Rachel's room, collapses. She seems stuck in there after the previous scene. Oh, that was weird to me, though. And then yeah, at one point, the door is being held closed by, by with ghost power. Then at one point, she's able to get out, or she comes out of a different door. I don't know. It was a little confused no, to me. I think... The ghost let her out? She, she fakes out the ghost power. How does she do that? She takes her hand <laughs> off the knob, and then... Just does it real quick. Oh. And then the ghost power's like, wow! Uh, it's like a psych. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. We see the door, the water, the it's opening, the square door, the, the ghosts are coming out, and these yeah, these naked, clearly dead cadavers are walking, crawling up the stairs, trying to get yep. to Sean. He's trying to pull this knife out of his hand. It breaks off, and so it's just like the bottom half that's stuck in his hand and into the floor. I thought that's great. Mm-hmm. And they're climbing pretty slowly. Rachel comes out. She tries to help. They do succeed in pulling the knife out of the hand, mm-hmm. and the naked people disappear. The water is still dripping up to the ceiling. Yeah. Rachel and Sean try to go to the uh, to the door and leave. Mm-hmm. It won't open. No. Rachel says it's a ghost power. She can't fake this one out. No, I she guess. can't. She says it's a trap. She starts walking backwards, dazed in a stupor, and she falls into the square door. And the water that was like, at that point previously, it was almost as if it was raining inside the house, but up, right? Cool effect. Yeah. But just out of that door. As soon as she falls into the square door in the floor, it stops immediately. I like that shot. That was a really nice one. What does Sean do? He dives into the square after her. Here's where all my questions kind of happen, Craig. Well, yeah. Well, many questions. That's not the end of the movie. They do they they walk us through this. They show us this. He goes into an it's a massive expanse of water. But first we like we see that it is kind of a mirror reflection of the house, but upside down and underwater. Mm-hmm. Uh, he swims down. He's swimming down. I find myself wondering how long he can hold his breath, but maybe that doesn't matter. We're in an entirely different kind of world here, right? He sees right. Rachel just sort of floating there, suspended in animation and swims to her, they embrace, but he's grabbed by dozens of hands. His prosthetic leg falls off, and he's dragged into the darkness. Rachel is surrounded by her dead, naked relatives. It's very eerie. They, they are kind of like yes. screaming, but it's not loud. Their eyes right. are hollow. There's no genitals in sight. They're like Barbie dolls and kin. I know. I was looking for them too. Big time. And uh, didn't I mean I got the magnifying glass out and everything. They're <laughs> right, not right, there. Yeah. It's very, it's very disturbing. <laughs> yes. But Rachel swims to the surface, and when she comes out, she's in the lake. She crosses mm-hmm. the shore. She says Sean's name. She goes back to the house. The leg is on the floor. Edward is barely barely alive. She tells him. 
Sean followed me down. They took him instead. And uh, Edward asked if they can be together. She says, it's too late for that. She came to say goodbye. She says, they'll both be free soon. And then she walks out and she leaves. And she sings a nursery rhyme. And that's more or less the ending of the film. Right. I take issue, Craig, with, above Mm -hmm. all, I think, the idea that they took Sean instead, meaning she's now free. Right. Because, well, what about David Bradley? They took David Bradley, so would Edward have been free? It didn't seem like he was free. Didn't seem very free. Yeah, I mean, but beyond that, why why do they need to take anybody? Yeah. Because... Her and her brother are supposed to have sex and have more babies, I thought. I was say, that wasn't one of the rules. Like, that wasn't, like, you know, give us a sacrifice and thou shall be free. Like, that, if that right. was in the nursery rhyme, okay. So that, to me, that was the big thing. I was like, I don't, I just don't buy that in the world of the rules that you established here. Yeah. You know, like, setting aside the fact that, in a way, this means that the only reason our female protagonist escaped here is because some guy saved her. You know, right. and he's not really a guy that I'm that interested in, to be quite honest. You know, he's not. And you know? I mean, to, yeah, I mean, my questions go back to, well, again, she couldn't open the, the they couldn't get that door open, even though she just opened another door with that same thing. But then she says it's a trap. Yeah. And I was thinking, well, what kind of a trap is this exactly? The house is a trap. I mean, my friend, the house right. is the trap. I mean, yeah. Getting them to come down to the door was a trap. And then it seems like she falls into the water. She does, yeah. But then I started thinking, is she doing this on purpose? Yeah, maybe. Like, is she trying to get Sean to take her place for whatever reason that they need to have some kind of sacrifice? But then when she goes up and she cries to Edward, then I was like, well, that seems like she didn't want that to happen. Yeah. So it's, it's really, yeah, there's a lot of, as cool as the upside down water world is, there's also that feeling of like, well, why is it upside down? I think it only confuses things. Yeah, I, I I get the water part, like that's great, but I mean, yeah, the upside down stuff. It looks neat, but yeah. So, and I really wanted though, what I wanted as a viewer at that point was for something about Sean to save them. Yeah, that's honestly what I wanted to have happen. I don't always want there to be a happy ending in a horror movie, but like in this one, it just seemed like it was so impossible for her to break out of this. I wanted this this kind of broken guy who people kind of look sideways at and isn't really fitting in. He finds this girl and they kind of like each other and they kind of could save each other. Yeah. But then he gets pulled down to the water and I'm like, well, what's the point of that guy? Yeah. <laughs> like, he is a sacrificial well, lamb and nothing right. else. What, what, why do you have to have a fake leg and all that? Like I thought, I thought we were on a different track. I thought they were going to grab onto his leg and like the leg would come off and they'd get away and I'd be like, oh, great. Yeah, I don't know. And it's still, for me, it's just like those freaking rules. Like, does this mean that every generation of this family, like all they had to do was just throw somebody else in that in that little square door? Or did somebody have to willingly do it? Like, it's just unclear to me. Like, I don't know. Like, are they insane or what? Oh, yeah. They're, they're drowning themselves yeah. and, and each other. Some of it's murder, some of it's suicide. But they're doing it because they're inbred. Uh, right i mean there's some yeah. kind of evil there i'm assuming but then uh, when they're once they're dead then they want to perpetuate that they want to keep that going but they don't seem to actually eat people or anything because no. if they eat people they would have eaten somebody during the movie and no one yeah. got eaten really and why so I, why would having sean stop any of that yeah 
right. mean, if that's their MO, like, yeah, it's like, again, like David Bradley, like that, why would that stop any of that? Like, it's just one more person added to the, uh, to yeah. the, uh, underworld, uh, sea monkey castle down there. <laughs> well, on- <laughs> Well, uh, honestly, what I really could have used, and I understand, you know, now, uh, uh, no way Edward was ever going to leave the house. For sure. Or whatever, yeah. But, and I'm okay with that, too. Yeah. But, like, kind of what I could have used maybe at the beginning, maybe even as an intro, was, like, if the two of them, I mean, this is a totally different movie, understand, but the two of them are, like, all packed. We got to get as far away from this house as we can. And they do. And they go and they go and they go and they end up in this inn in some village as far away. And that night, those things come at them. Yeah. And it's like, oh, fuck, we really can't get away from this. And they are the lodgers, Rachel and yeah. Edward, right? Cause, right. Because it, it just, it feels like, it feels like, well, if you leave the house, then you're probably fine. Like, I, like, I don't know what, like, if you both left the house, what's going to happen? Yeah. I don't have any proof that they're going to come get you. They seem to be under the house. Well, and so I, I don't know. They clearly have left each other now because she's left Ray, uh, Edward for dead. And it yeah. seems like she's probably going to be okay when she leaves. That's sort of the yeah. She she didn't destroy any monsters, so yeah. I don't know why taking Sean would break the spell. So yeah, a lot of rule problems. I feel like in a lot of the positive reviews I read about the movie, a lot of it they were talking about. Uh, you know, it's a mood piece. It's moody. It looks like this, and it's moody. It's it's more of a period mm-hmm. piece than a horror movie, that kind of thing. And I'm like, okay, fine. I mean, I I'd be happy to call it that. Like, it's a period piece. It's like a moody gothic period yeah. piece, more than a horror movie. Agreed. Since I haven't seen the others, and we read one glowing review comparing it to that, which do you think is a stronger film? You've seen it, right? Yeah. I mean, it's been a long time, and maybe I'm thinking about the others too 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 strongly uh, with too much love, but. I seem to remember that one being much more of a tantalizing sort of mystery movie. Gotcha. That kind of keeps you going. But yeah, your your miles may vary. Indeed. Well, for me, yeah. It's a cool one to check out. You know, certainly if you're in the mood for Halloween, put it on, see how much you get out of it. There's there's neat stuff involved. The performances were really quite good. Uh, in fact, Edward, played by Bill Milner, I, I thought that guy was great. And if somebody's mm-hmm. making a young abraham lincoln movie you gotta cast this guy like he will kill it like he looks just Mm -hmm. like it and charlotte vega was great i I really like she really i mean yeah and i just saw that i think they just started shooting that reboot of wrong turn yeah like this month or or last month actually so awesome this is on netflix so it's an easy watch it's an hour and a half maybe knowing what's going to happen will actually benefit your viewing experience in this case sure but for me it's a little unrealized, I guess, is the biggest thing I can say about it. Like, it didn't quite pay off what it set up for me and didn't quite give me that satisfaction in the resolution that I wanted and, in fact, made it slightly more confusing, which is, I think, the opposite of what you want uh, in yeah. your ending, like, right, you know, unless you're going for ambiguous. Anything else we didn't talk about, Craig, that you want to mention? Not that I can think of. I think we covered the whole kit and caboodle. Check it out, The Lodgers. It's on Netflix. Brian O'Malley will be one I, I would certainly keep an eye on because I think uh, there's a good visual sense there. I really do want to see his his movie, Let Us Pray, which I think is uh, on Amazon. Cool. Because I read up on that one, and people really seem to like that one. So I'm going to check it out. Awesome. Yeah, we should do that. Any last words, Craig? Uh, yeah, you guys. Keep out of that pool in your floor. Definitely. Don't go down that square no door. Good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Come back next time. We're going to tee up another movie for October, and I think you know what that means. So come join us.
Let's do it. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.